Well, Merry Christmas once again. It's so exciting and wonderful to see all of you. For a few minutes, we're going to take some time uh, to hear from the Lord. And you know, as I get started, I just want to say, and I think you'll agree with me, don't we need Christmas this year more than ever? But you know, this year has been so crazy that I, I think we can say that 2020 has affected even Christmas. I've actually done some research on this, and I just wonder if you've heard about some things that I discovered. Did you know why production was down at Santa's workshop? It was actually because many of his workers had to elf-isolate. Thank you very much. Um, and, and did you know uh, why Mary and Joseph actually didn't make it to Bethlehem on time? It was because all the virgin flights were canceled. And then there was also this other thing that I saw that uh, the reason why Santa's reindeer were allowed to travel on Christmas Eve was because they have herd immunity. And then uh, maybe you heard about this, but Mary and Joseph, they actually couldn't join their work conference call. The reason was there was no Zoom at the end. So one last Christmas dad joke, okay? How is the pandemic like my stomach after Christmas? Answer, it will take ages to flatten the curve. So, And uh, this message can only get better from here. Amen? Thank you. All right. Well, well you know, we've been talking at Southwinds about gifts all month, and, be, and Christmas is about gifts, right? And I think sometimes we forget that it all goes back to the original Christmas gift, which is God's son, Jesus, whose birth we celebrate at Christmas. And so I want us to think briefly about one Christmas verse tonight. And it's actually one of my favorite Christmas verses, but because it's not found in a Christmas setting uh, that is one of the Gospels, we may not think of it as a Christmas verse, but it actually is. It really ought to be on every Christmas card, I think. It's 2 Corinthians 2, uh, 9, 15. And here's what it says. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Eight words. In fact, why don't you just say those words with me out loud. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now think about that. Paul is writing this. And as brilliant and a profound a thinker as Paul was, as great a communicator as he was, writing more news. Testament books than anyone else, even though after Jesus, Paul is the greatest theological mind ever, he cannot think of a word to describe this gift. It's just indescribable. He, he actually uses a term here found nowhere else in the Bible. We would say today that he just coins a word. He makes a word up. And you just have to ask when you read this, why is it indescribable? I mean, this is a baby. Lots of babies were born that night. Why was Jesus' birth so indescribable? And I want to answer that question. Jesus' birth was indescribable because it was like no other birth that has ever taken place before or since. And I'll give two answers to why, and then we're going to sing Silent Night. Here's the first answer. This gift that God gave was indescribable because this baby was God. Born of a virgin, yet fully human, this baby, Jesus, was God in the flesh. And on that first Christmas night, here's the reality. The creator of the universe lay helpless in an animal feed box. How do you describe that? 
The first chapter of the Gospel of John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. A baby was God. An author named Ken Geyer has written a beautiful description of the first Christmas in his book, Intimate Moments with the Savior. And I want you to listen to him try to describe the indescribable. He writes, for the census, the royal family had to travel 85 miles. Joseph walks while Mary, nine months pregnant, rides side saddle on a donkey, feeling every jolt, every rut, every rock in the road. By the time they arrive, the small hamlet of Bethlehem is swollen from an influx of travelers, and the inn is packed, and people are feeling lucky if they're able to negotiate even a small space on the floor, and now it is late, everyone is asleep, and there is no room. But fortunately, the innkeeper is not all shekels and mites. True, his stable is crowded with his guests' animals, but if they would squeeze out a little privacy there, they were welcome to it. Joseph looks over at Mary, whose attention is concentrated on fighting a contraction. We'll take it, he tells the innkeeper without hesitation. The night is still when Joseph creaks open the stable door, and as he does, a chorus of barn animals makes discordant note of the intrusion. The stench is pungent and humid as there have not been enough hours in the day to tend the guests, let alone the livestock. A small oil lamp lent them by the innkeeper flickers for a woman in the throes of childbirth, far from home, far from family, far from what she expected for her firstborn. But Mary makes no complaint. It is a relief just to finally get off the donkey. She leans back against the wall, her feet swollen, back aching, contractions growing stronger and closer together. Joseph's eyes dart around the stable, not a minute to lose. Quickly, a, a feeding trough would have to make do for a crib. Hay would serve as a mattress. Blankets? Blankets? Ah, his robe. That would do. And those rags hung out to dry would help. A gripping contraction doubles Mary over and sends him racing for a bucket of water. The birth would not be easy, either for the mother or the child. For every royal privilege for this son ended at conception. A scream from Mary knifes through the calm of that silent night, and Joseph returns breathless, water sloshing from the wooden bucket. The top of the baby's head has already pushed its way into the world. Sweat pours from Mary's contorted face as Joseph, the most unlikely midwife in all Judea, rushes to her side. The involuntary contractions are not enough. And Mary has to push with all her strength, almost as if God were refusing to come into the world without her help. Joseph places a garment beneath her, and with a final push and a long sigh, her labor is over. The Messiah has arrived. Elongated head from the constricting journey through the birth canal, light skin as the pigment would take days or even weeks to surface. Mucus in his ears and nostrils, wet and slippery from the amniotic fluid. The son, the son of the Most High God, umbilically tied to a lowly Jewish girl. The baby chokes and coughs. Joseph instinctively turns him over and clears his throat. And then he cries. 
Mary bears her breast and reaches for the shivering baby. She lays him on her chest, and his helpless cries subside. His tiny head bobs around on the unfamiliar terrain. This will be the first time the infant king learns. Mary can feel his racing heartbeat as he gropes to nurse. Deity nursing from a young maiden's breast. Could anything be more puzzling or more profound? Joseph sits exhausted, silent, full of wonder. The baby finishes in size, the divine word reduced to a few unintelligible sounds. And then for the first time, his eyes fix on his mother's deity straining to focus, the light of the world squinting. Tears pool in her eyes. She touches his tiny hand. And hands that once sculpted mountain ranges cling to her finger. She looks up at Joseph and through a watery veil their souls touch. He crowds closer, cheek to cheek with his betrothed. And together they stare in awe at the baby Jesus whose heavy eyelids begin to close. It has been a long journey. The king is tired. And so with barely a ripple of notice, God stepped into the warm lake of humanity. Thus, in the little town of Bethlehem, that one silent night, the royal birth of God's son tiptoed quietly by as the world slept. Indescribable. This baby was God. Let me give you the second reason. This gift was indescribable because this baby was born to die. As remarkable as it is that God sent his son into the world to live among men, it's even more remarkable that he sent his son to die for men. The angel's message to Joseph stated this, Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I mean, have you ever wondered, have you ever asked the question, well, why was Jesus born? Why did he come to earth? What was the reason for the incarnation? And the ultimate answer simply is this. Jesus was born so he could die. The goal of the manger was the cross. Those soft baby hands that Mary kissed so gently were made so thick nails might be driven through them. Those chubby baby feet would one day be nailed to a cross. Those tender lips which Mary traced with her fingers would one day cry out in agony, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That tiny body wrapped in swaddling clothes would one day be torn open by a Roman spear because Jesus, God's son, Messiah, was born to die. Why? Why did he have to die? Well, the answer is simply this. We are sinners who need a Savior. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God created a perfect world for, for, for us, and we broke it. We cut ourselves off from the giver of life, and as a result, we die. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And the truth is, the reality is, and anyone who's honest looking around at this world will have to admit it, we cannot fix what we broke. We owe a debt we cannot pay. But the good news of Christmas is that's not the end of the story. God's indescribable gift offers us life if we will receive it. 
familiar verse, you all know it. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Because of God's indescribable gift that first Christmas, we can know eternal life. We can live forever. We can know God's peace and favor, just like the angels sang to the shepherds out on the hillside that night. And friends, isn't that an indescribable gift? Through the gift of this baby, God's own son, the Father offers us forgiveness and freedom, life eternal, freedom from guilt, freedom from shame, freedom from the fear of death, eternal life. And all we need to do is receive it. We receive this gift quite simply by opening our hands, opening our hearts, opening our lives and doing what God has said, which is to repent of our sins and then to trust in Jesus' death on the cross to bring forgiveness for our sins. I want to ask you a question as we close. Have you received this gift? If you haven't, our prayer here at Southwinds is that you will. Maybe even tonight. Maybe even tonight, you will for the first time know in your heart what Christmas truly is all about. If you have received this gift, then I just want to encourage you, give thanks. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. He gives us the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Amen. This is God's word for us on this Christmas Eve, Southwinds. Would you bow your heads as we pray? Father God, we want to, where we stand, where we sit, all across this courtyard, outside on this, this cold night, Lord, in a place we maybe never thought we'd be on a Christmas Eve, we want to say thank you. Thank you for Jesus, Lord. Thank you for your indescribable gift. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to live out of the life and live out of the beauty of that gift that you have given to us. We want to follow you. And we want others to know of your goodness too, Lord. May this be a great and wonderful Christmas celebration as we rejoice in you. And all God's people said, amen, amen. In just a moment, um, we're going to do something that we've never quite done before because every other year at this time in this service, we light the Christ candle. And we talk about how the Christ candle brings light to our lives. We light the Christ candle, and then we light our candles from that light. But outside tonight, we, we can't do it that way. And so we're going to have a 2020 candle lighting. And you say, what are, how are we going to do that? Well, I want you to get out your phones if they're not handy, because in a moment, we're going to turn our lights on that way, and we're going to hold those high. You don't need to do that yet. But before you, you, you get to that, uh, I want you to... Just remember why we light the Christ candle. We light the Christ candle to remember that Jesus is the light of the world. Why don't you just say that? Let's proclaim that. Jesus is the light of the world. We light the Christ candle to remember that in ourselves we have no light. Our light comes from him. He's the only source of true life and light.